0: Thanks for listening to the River City Church podcast. To learn more about our church community and how you can be a part, visit us online at therivercitychurch.org. River City Church is an Assemblies of God church. And some of you go, oh yeah, I knew that. That's cool. I knew that. That's why I'm here. And others you go, whoa, huh, what? We are? I didn't, I didn't know that. That's kind of odd. That's kind of strange. And then you go, okay, Assemblies of God, isn't that, isn't that Pentecostal? Like, well, Pentecostal, like, what, what does that mean? I mean, because that word, that word Pentecostal, man, that comes with like all kind of categories, ideas, thoughts, images, experiences that, and backgrounds that come with that. And, and some of you are like, yeah, no, cool. That's why I'm here. I, I know that about you guys. And, and others are like, what the what? Oh, hold on. They tricked me. I didn't know about this stuff. And, um, because then, because, can we be honest, there's been a lot of great, we'll you'll see some great things. That have happened through the Pentecostal movement, and you'll see some awkward, weird things that have happened amongst the Pentecostal background, and and things that have gone on there. And that's why you know a lot of us in uh, these modern Pentecostals we use words like spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered. That's our way of helping the Methodist and the Baptist and the Protestant and the, and the Presbyterians feel comfortable in church. Like you're more comfortable with those words, right? So that's why we use those words to to kind of help, um, because Pentecostal can just kind of have men this this different impression with it i mean cuz the the churches that call themselves Pentecostal are broad and so different. I mean, the different groups that associate with that name. I mean, some of your minds can go right away to like, isn't that like that super strict place with rules and regulations and like you can't even go to the movie theater kind of rules and you can't play cards. Well, I went to the movie theater yesterday and I went with another people from church and I ran into someone from church. So clearly we're not that group, right? (laughs) Like that we still go to the movie theater and uh, you know, and, and then you're like, man, isn't that the place like strict like the man can't have their hair past their collar the woman has to wear their hair in a bun no makeup no jewelry like that that's one sect that you that you hear about and then um, others are like man that, that, that no that's not what I think of Pentecost I think of like I think of like the pastor's wife looks like she lost a paintball war and um, <laughs> and goes through like a whole bottle of hairspray um, and, and just just to get ready a, one day a week right I mean so we have all these different ideas of when we hear that word come up right? Uh, and and th- those two impressions don't help us reach single guys, right? I mean, those, those two ideas. Rob, pastor Robert Morris is a pastor of Gateway Church in, in Texas, and he actually, as he was like um, going from kind of more of a Baptist background to, to stepping into Pentecostal, spirit-filled stuff, he was like, he was agreeing with the theology and agreeing with what he was reading at, but his, his biggest fear was not like the strange stuff that comes with Holy Spirit churches. It was he was honestly worried that Either way, he was going to have an ugly wife. Like, that's honestly what his concern was as he was leading into this. So, all that to say that there is a lot of things that, that come. Other, others of you get these images of, of people going in the weird trances, doing weird things, weird manifestations. Others... Preachers on TV asking you to sow into their ministry, and if you do that, then, then all of your financial worries will be solved and all this stuff. So we know that that word, that, that, that topic right there can bring a lot of things. So I just want to take some time this morning to share with you what it means for River City Church as we move forward in this. And, um, and again, we're not, we're not, we haven't been hiding this. We just want to be one that's a church that's known for our community and identifies with our community more than just a, a denomination. So I want to ex- explain like what it means to be in a, some ways a God church, to be Pentecostal, to be spirit filled, you know, and what is the difference between, you know, I want not have time to get into all that, the difference between Pentecostal, charismatic, third wave, and all that other stuff. I have studied and read way too much this week, and I'm going to try to keep it as concise as possible. So, that name, first off Pentecostal we when we think of it now, it comes with maybe some images and some ideas, but I want like and strange cultural associations, but it actually comes um most of us are familiar that it comes from this event that happens in the book of Acts, right The book of Acts, after Jesus has been crucified, dead for three days, raised from the dead, walking amongst his 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 now followers he 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 spends some some time with them and um actually and then he, the, he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And, and then it happens in Acts 2 as they're waiting. And this is the day of Pentecost when they, they receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And you see such things as prophecy and healing and speaking in tongues. All right. But I want to even back up behind that of like, what is this day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost before that is, again, Jesus is fulfilling things of the Old Testament. We talk a lot about this here of the, the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So when we, as we come up to the Easter season, we, were, we, we, we talk about Passover. What was, what was Passover first? Because Passover happens before Pentecost, right? So we go back to the, the history of the nation of Israel. Israel was held captive in Egypt for 400 years under Pharaoh, being slaves 400 years. God raises up a man named Moses. Possibly you saw his movies, right? Ten Commandments, Prince of Egypt. Hopefully you didn't see the Mel Brooks one, right? No, no it's all good if you saw the Mel Brooks one. I've got these 15, 10 Commandments, right? Um, I, I'll, I'll, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> raises up Moses. Moses is leading these people and, and all, these, all these plagues come to Egypt and it comes to the last and final plague in Egypt of that the firstborn son of every home will die that night as the angel of death comes through unless they take a spotless lamb, kill it, and put the blood of that lamb over their doorpost and the angel of death will pass over. What happened to the Israelites or the Egyptians? All so it was called for all of them to obey, all right? So that happens. They pass over. They leave Egypt. And that, that, that Passover meal is what Jesus, now later on, at, at, right at the Easter time, right before he was about to die, he's having this meal with his disciples and saying, hey, I am the fulfillment of this. This, this lamb that is going to be sacrificed for all mankind from this point forward. So he's having that meal with them. But then so go back, now I'm, I'm jumping back to the people of Israel following under Moses, they've left. Pharaoh said, get out of here. My son died. I'm so sad. And you guys go. And uh, they're, they're leaving. They get on the other side of the Red Sea. And 50 days into the wilderness, they come to the Mount Sinai. And God comes to meet with them. He comes to meet with them and he shows up in thunder and lightning and the earthquake and earth shaking. And, and the people of Israel are so scared and so freaked out about the power of this God that they say, Moses, you go meet with him. You go meet with him and we'll listen to what you say because that's too scary. That's too intimidating for us for, to go up. This is in Exodus 19 where you read about this. And so that is what Pentecost actually comes from. Penta means, in the Greek, means five, and the suffix cost means ten. So it's ten times five is fifty. It means fifty. That's what Pentecost means, is fifty. And you thought it meant beehive hairdos and people asking for money on TV, right? No, this is what it means. It means fifty days after they left, and, and that now as they remembered the Passover as a people, they also remembered Pentecost, the The day that God came down, met with them, gave them, now takes this nation of Israel and identifies them as his own people, giving them the law, making them stand out different from amongst other nations around them. And then, so Jesus says, now we're back into Jesus. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, just trying to give some history here. So then Jesus comes and fulfills the Passover. Then he says this in in John 14, 15, and 16. Says if no he says, uh, this if you love me all right, no wrong verse. All right. Acts one eight. Acts one eight, Jesus is saying to his disciples, He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So Jesus is meeting with his disciples at that meal. He says, don't run off because he gives them the great, remember he, he comes back and he gives them the great commission. Go and tell the whole world about me. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and do all of this in my name. But before you do it, wait for the Holy Spirit to come and to empower you to do so. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Come. Because we need that. And so that's what happens in Acts 2. We see that they are waiting on the day of Pentecost. First time at Pentecost, God shows up. Lightning, earthquake, smoke, shaking, scary. This time, it comes like a mighty rushing wind as the disciples were all in one place. And he comes and he fills them and fills the house, the very presence of God. And then what happens is that they get empowered by the Holy Spirit Yes, spiritual gifts, spiritual empowerment, but to be his witnesses. Peter, who was just not long before running scared away from a little girl that said, "Do you not, are you not one of his followers? He was scared of a little girl that accused him of being a follower of Jesus. Now that same man, filled with the Holy Spirit, stands up in front of 3,000 people and leads them to salvation and says, you must repent. Jesus is the way. And leads them for salvation, 3,000 for salvation and be baptized. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, that boldness that comes upon them. And I think that's so important. That's what Acts 1.8. You to receive the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. Power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. And so this is... The, you know, you read through the book of Acts. It's just an incredible book of the, of the first things that the church did and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on them. And And even though they're facing great persecution, they are br- bringing the gospel forth in power and signs and wonders are following. And we read, I just want to hit a quick, as quick as I can, a synopsis of, of church history, All right? It's not going to be totally every single detail here, so stick with me. But so church history is like the disciples Become the apostles and they're leading the church, and this great persecution happens. And, and they are now like the persecution caused them to go take this gospel to the whole world, to the end, to beyond Jerusalem. So this persecution drives them, and they're going places. And, and Paul's raised up, and he's planting churches, and signs and wonders are following. And then, you know, it's the, it's the renegade religion at the time to be a Christian until the emperor Constantine becomes. A Christian himself and now he comes and makes Christianity kind of like the cultural religion government connection now you're successful. Now you're wealthy if you're a Christian. And changed it all. And it, and it kind of changed a lot of stuff. And from that, over time, comes the birth of the Catholic Church. And then through the Catholic Church and the Dark Ages and all this stuff, is. then comes Martin Luther to come reform it. And he says, no, we don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a man. We can have personal relationship with our Savior, that he is our high priest, that he is the one that, 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 that's, for those that don't know, that's like where that dividing line between being Catholic and what we call Protestant comes about, right? Because of what Martin Luther did as a reformer and changed some things. And then from there on, like it's moving forward. And then some of you guys know this guy named John Wesley comes up. And John Wesley comes up and he is like reading the scripture. He's he's grateful for what Martin Luther has done. And, And this thing this, that's again, this message is moving forward, and we're coming back to like the core heart of it. John Wesley rises up and he's known as a holiness preacher. He's like calling us back to the calling the people back to holiness. And he's saying, like, no, this isn't just stories. This isn't just a book that we read about. Like, this was meant to be lived. This was meant to be experienced. This was meant to, to change our lives. So John Wesley is this, he brings about the, the holiness movement. The Methodist Church is born out of John Wesley. And so all this is, is moving forward, and people are drawn more and more to reading the scriptures as they are alive and forming and shaping us. And so, about in the early 1900s, because this is the birth of this, this group known as Pentecostals, Spirit-filled, and later on, births the, the charismatic movement, is that in the early 1900s, because it's not that old, right? Only a little over 100 years old here. Is this uh, this guy that was a former Methodist holiness preacher, kind of following under the ways of John Wesley? His name is uh, Charles Fox Parham. He begins begins teaching. I think I got his picture up there, and um, so he begins teaching at and he, and he creates this new Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, Bethel College there, and he, he's teaching them and he's he's teaching a group of students. And, and, he's, and it's just kind of like that John Wesley thing of like, what if we read this for what it really says? What if we take this, and he particularly goes through with his students and reads the book of Acts, and he says them, tells them to highlight every time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Every time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and with this alertness. And he starts reading the book this way. And through that, they're coming along with these ideas of like, Man, God wants to still move. God is still doing things. God, God still wants to, to empower his church to do stuff. And so they're, they're reading it. And they don't want to just like read about God. They want to experience him. So they come across verses like Acts 2, 4. It says, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts 10, 46. But For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Acts 19, 6, When God, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied so these students are reading all these verses about God healing about his Holy Spirit coming and they are honestly in a place of desperation they're going God we want a move we want a move of your spirit amongst us and so they go into a time of prayer and fasting and studying the word and reading the word and from that comes this move of God that happens right there at that Bethel College where this kind of rebirth of the spiritual gifts comes about and people are praying and, and speaking in tongues. Now, this is the amazing grace of God. Because during that class in Topeka, Kansas, is this guy named William J. Was, <clears throat> Seymour. We got his picture up there William J. Seymour. And he is an African American son of a slave. The discrimination is still going on at this time. That he's not allowed in the classroom. He actually says to sit in the hallway to hear this classroom going on. And yet, God moves in that moment. Isn't that like the graciousness of God? Even with our wrong understandings, our wrong inputs, is like that. Th- he still moved there at that Bethel School. So William Seymour goes from there to Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California to do some services, and ends up this revival breaks out known as the Azusa Street Revival. The Azusa Street Revival and some amazing things happened there. The man, the Holy Spirit is just poured out in a new way. And this is kind of the birth, the rebirth of this, the Spirit filled life and the gifts of the Spirit to a place that, I mean, this is a place where, like, now those racial, it it was like, it was like one of the first, like, multi racial churches. People coming together of all different backgrounds, worshiping God, Him working and moving and healings happening. And yes, people prophesying and speaking in tongues and all this. Even, even this, this one, this one lady, was uh, as, as she was going about there in the, in the service, this extraordinary thing happens is she didn't have a worship leader that day. This lady who had never played the piano in a prayerful moment under the spirit, goes up to the piano and plays and leads the worship, never having even taken a piano lesson. So just like amazing things happen in this place of the Azusa Street revival. And that for many, this is the, the birthplace of this this. Again, not too old, 1900s of this 1904s when this happening of like this revival happening and being sent out and, and pastors and missionaries and ministers and, and lay people are, are drawn to this and are making a trip to come visit this church with this Azusa Street Revival. And they go there and they are, they are touched so by the Holy Spirit. And, and it kind of messes with them and changes everything of their views of God, that God's not just a, a God that hangs out in a book, but that he's active and moving. And so these guys, these pastors go back to their churches and they start preaching and practicing what they experienced in their churches and their churches weren't down for that. They weren't open for that. They were, a lot of these, the, these pastors ended up getting fired from their jobs. Usually like, like, it's kind of, it's like these renegade pastors that had no place to go because they were, had such a move of God that they wanted to move in a new way in their own churches. And so they, they, so over time they all start to, like man, we're without jobs. We got kicked out of our churches. We want to follow the Holy Spirit. What He's calling us to do, and and from this develops like a, a quite a few. There's like that. There's over about a hundred different groups and denominations that that tie back to this Azusa Street revival that happened at that time, and so including one of those, and this is this, this where the theological perspective and belief of the Spirit is still active today and still wants to work and move, was was birthed from that point. And that's where the Assemblies of God came together years later in Hot Springs, Arkansas, 1914, a group of these pastors, these kind of renegade pastors that had nowhere else to go, looking to, to want to follow the Spirit, come together. And, and they come together to establish legal standing, coordinate missions efforts, a, a doctrine, a stability, and establish ministry training schools that go about to bring about exactly what Acts 1 says to be his witnesses, be empowered to be his witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was this spirit called empowerment. It was a missions movement to bring this gospel around the world, around the world. Just as Peter was now filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to go preach this gospel, they had this sense that when we got something, we've got this new revival happening amongst us, we want to go and not just keep it here, we want to share, Share it with the world. And they said, this is what their aim, this is what their mission statement was, and it still is, to be the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. The greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. And so just quick, since then, it has been uh, the fastest growing denomination and fastest growing group of churches, fellowship of churches is actually what we call ourselves. Um, And for the last 20, for the 29th year, consistent growth. Um, There's about over 13,000 churches in the U.S. alone with about 3 million attenders in those. Um, We're seeing new churches planted all the time, people getting baptized, people getting coming to salvation, people being baptized, people experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the diversity because of birth out of that Azusa Street revival and moving forward is, is so much higher. The, the U.S. population uh, is 39% racial or ethnic minority and the Assemblies of God is 42%. So like we are like very diverse in many different ways. Our, our African-American percentage is, is the highest it's ever been. And it keeps on growing. Young people in the fellowship, we keep on, I, we're seeing it, we're, we're, that was shared last week about next generation, investing in the next generation, seeing them grow. Like 53% are under 35 years old, in this last decade, we're seeing this because listen, this connects last week of like this next generation and why this is important to be a church that is about the empowerment and the, the moving of the Holy Spirit because we live in this, this millennial generation, this generation Z that's coming up, is that everything is accessible to them. You know, everything is there. Every, you can have access through your phone, through other things. There's ways to travel. There's ways to get a credit card and go have all of life's experiences. But you cannot manufacture a move of God. You cannot manufacture that. And when our young people experience that, it is something that can't be bought. It's something that can't be sold. It is something that will change and mark their lives forever. So that is what we want, is that them to have an experience the presence of God. All right. And then globally, The Assemblies of God, because of their missions effort, has, um, my goodness, it's like, it's 68 million people around the world, 367,000 churches around the world. Every 37 seconds, a person comes to Christ in a spirit-filled Assemblies of God church. And every 95 minutes, a new church is planted somewhere. That's pretty incredible for a little over a hundred years. And I love this as we can get excited about those stats that we're not doing in this alone. We're partnering with other ministries. We're partnering to make this happen. I love this what the missions director says. He says, we dare not measure our success against anything but the unfinished task. There's still so many more people to reach. There's still so much more to do. All right, so just wanted to give a little bit of understanding of who River City Church is, who we're connected to, why we're connected to it, how it helps us to do missions, plant churches, have accountability, have, have come under authority. I believe that a pastor should be under authority in many ways. and But I also want to show that, like again, with that word Pentecostal, and even connections to the Azusa Street has come off some other branches that believe in some of the same doctrine as us, but differ on some things. Birth out of that is also this, um, they're called the Jesus only, the oneness group. They're also, in it, and so just so you got that clear, like they come out of this and they believe that Jesus only and the deniers of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they believe that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all just different names for Jesus. So that we do not agree with. I just need to make that clear that that is not our, that is not our perspective Also, sadly, a lot of so-called prosperity gospels, um, health and wealth gospels, have grown out of the Pentecostal background. And listen, I'm not saying, and a lot of this was birthed out of the Great Depression in the 1930s, and I'm not saying that God wants us to have a poverty mindset, but I'm also saying that God's highest aim is not for you to be healthy and wealthy, there's this line of like, yes, he he cares for your needs, he knows who you are, but we don't twist scripture to say something that it does not say. He wants to, to work in the move and he wants to bless your life and my life, clearly, but that does not come before the gospel. That does not come before the gospel. So in these areas of the Jesus only and the, the prosperity and just going to God because he's like your, your heavenly piggy bank to get things from, we have to take that hard stance of, like Paul says in Galatians 1.8, we just have to say, this is not Christian. Galatians 1.8 says, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we have preached to you, a curse be on him. All comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to the core of our beliefs of this that we believe in the authority of the Word of God. We believe that it is complete Word of God, that we stand under the Scripture's authority, and that it is completely in, inspired by God. And from that, we see that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. Yes, only through Jesus Christ that he is our justification. He is our grace. And it is through faith alone in Jesus. It's not these other things. It's not all things. It, gra- it is grace given to us by Jesus, by faith alone. All right. So we also believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to come and take residence in our lives, empower us to be his witnesses with spiritual gifts. We believe Healing is possible. We do believe that healing is possible. We do believe that in praying for the sick, but that does not mean that we don't believe in medicine and doctors. All right? So we believe in healing, but we also, all right, with going to the doctor, we believe (laughs) that Jesus is coming back again, that he has not left us, that he is coming back for his bride. And because of these things that we believe, because we hold so dear to this, This is why another thing that marks churches like this is spontaneous worship, as you just witnessed this morning. The song may end, but the worship continues because it's a song from our heart because we've been marked by it. It's amazing. I love when worship flows that way because it's flowing out from the truth of who we believe Going back to the, the authority of the scripture and believing all that it says and that it's to be interpreted literally. So we do believe in divine gifts and abilities. Um, a, a, a theologian, previous uh, professor at Dallas Seminary, become filled with the Holy Spirit, and he wrote in his book, Jack Deere, not to be confused with his brother, John Deere. Um, <laughs> says that it is impossible to have a newborn, a new Christian take a Bible into a room by themselves and not believe that the gifts are still for today. They're still active today. Mark 16, 17 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. And so yes, that has been a marker of the Pentecostal faith. The Pentecostal stream of, of Christianity is this this gift of speaking in tongues and we can. There's some links on our website of other messages that we spoke on that and, and speaking in tongues uh, as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I don't want to dive totally big into that right now, but there's there's two different ways of. It's a personal prayer language. It's a it's a language to be shared even publicly sometimes, and it's a, it's in an, an unknown language. And sometimes it's in a language that is like someone is empowered to speak a foreign language. They don't even know that they're speaking a foreign language and it's ministering to someone. Did I ever tell you the story that that happened. Um, a few years ago at my own father-in-law's church, this guy comes to church very angry and very upset, arms crossed, very ticked off because his daughter had been coming to the youth group there. And he was angry the entire service. And it um, doesn't happen every Sunday at Rock of Grace in Ohio, but, but one, one Sunday after the worship, somebody gave a, a message in, in tongues, spoken out over the whole congregation. And when that happens, you're, you're supposed to wait for an interpretation. And no one stepped up to interpret. And so my father-in-law got on the microphone and said, "says is, is anyone here to in, in, interpret that? And people were quiet. And he was, like, he was about to say, well, we have to say this is not from God because the interpreter is not here. That man that was angry, upset with his arms crossed slowly raised his hand and said, I know what he just said. He said, I am from the Philippines of an island with its own dialect. And that person just spoke in my exact dialect of a language and told me about my sinfulness and how I need to be saved. (laughs) That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was. (laughs) And so there is, as as we're, we're coming here, I want us to see that there are spectacular things that happen with the Holy Spirit and amazing things. And there are supernatural things. But I want us to also not always just get wrapped up in just the visible, spectacular work. Because most of the time, the kind of power we need every day is neither spectacular nor sensational. (laughs) But we need his empowerment to accomplish what he's called us to do. We read a lot in the book of Acts of these spectacular moments happening of like people being brought to Paul and Peter to be healed. And even we read this in in Acts 19 says this, God was performing such extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and a disease left them and evil spirits came out of them. Talks the place about his shadow, his simple shadow, healing people as he went by. And I think it's so important to see that Luke describes these as extraordinary. These are amazing. These are incredible. These are amazing. We're told later on in James that if someone is the sick, they're to bring them to before the elders of the church to anoint them with oil for healing. So these things are amazing. We love this. We love this power. We love this. As, as Acts 1-8 says, this, this power of the Holy Spirit. Dunamis is what it means. It means it's this, this ability that applies in a practical way to, to do what Jesus has called us to do, to live the life he has called us to live, to live empowered by him, to act. What did he tell his disciples? He said, This is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. We need deutimous power to love one another, to care for one another, to be people of the spirit, to have the fruits of the spirit in us. So yes, we want healings. Yes, we want miracles. Yes, we want all this. But I am here to say that some days, the greatest move of the Holy Spirit on your life could be simply having love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, joy with your spouse. (laughs) With your teenager, with your coworker, with your boss, with that neighbor that you don't get along with. The greatest thing, you want to go and preach the gospel to other nations, and you want to see healings, you want to see miracles, and God's saying, I want you to love your spouse. And some days, that takes as much of a move of the Holy Spirit on your life as it does to pray for someone to be healed. Can we be honest? <laughs> And they're both important and they're both amazing. They're both needed. So when people look at our lives and they see that we can love those, those who have wronged us, when we see, then they see overflowing joy in the midst of sorrow. When they see peace and crisis of life, patience and tribulation, gentleness, the response to hostility, that is a great marking of a spirit filled life. So the supernatural, the spectacular does happen through the Holy Spirit. But some days it's just following Jesus and his commands and being obedient. Being obedient. Oh. Skipping a lot of verses here because we've got some things to do here. So we're told later on that Paul tells us and encourages us that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our emotions, in our relationships, in our natural capacities. He says this in Romans 8, says talking about prayer, he says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. The Holy Spirit will lead us in praying. And he encourages us to pray at all times in the Spirit, with all perseverance and petitions for the saints. So the Holy Spirit leads us in our praying. He goes on and says that this, this, this move of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. It's meant to be a continual thing. In Ephesians 5.8, he says that this, this, this thing, he says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's actually the verb there is to to being filled, to keep being filled. Because listen, life drains us, life wears us out, and we need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So to break all of this down, this history, to help us to understand who we are as a church, where we came from, what we anticipate, and what we hope for people, is it comes down to this for me. To be filled. Pentecostal, to be spirit-filled, to have the Holy Spirit in me is to mean that I am dependent upon the Holy Spirit, that I cannot do this on my own, that I cannot preach a message, that I cannot love my wife the way that God wants me to love without the Holy Spirit, that I cannot lead this church, that I cannot pray for someone to be healed in my own power, that I am dependent upon the Holy Spirit in my life. Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His divine power. So I'm gonna ask the team to come back up and I know this was a lot for some of you, but the Holy Spirit was already here in a time of worship of breaking down those walls and I know I didn't have time to explain all doctrinal beliefs and all these verses that we can look at too of seeing if you've come from a background of like, well, oh, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm here to tell you that He wants to minister to your life. He wants to fill you up and fill you again so you can become dependent upon Him in a new way like you never have before. And I know this is a bit unusual and a bit different for us, so if you're, you're new, welcome to River City Church. We never do it the same. All right. <laughs> So the team's going to lead us in this song. And guys, I'm your pastor. I know you. I know a lot of your stories. I know a lot of what you're going through. And sometimes we just need a filling. We just need refilled. We just need new empowerment. We just need new strength to continue this life, to continue to obey and follow Jesus. So would you guys stand with me? And I gave the the prayer team a, a very simple heads up in an email. But prayer team, I want to let you know that if you need filling, before you come to fill someone up, come and get filled up yourself. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up here as they lead. And listen, nobody's looking around, nobody's judging. If you, if you, if you've never experienced this Holy Spirit, and you want to experience Him for the first time, we're here to help with that. If you have experienced Him and you just need a new filling, we're here to pray with you and pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Some of you guys are facing things like you have never faced before, and you're facing challenges, and the Holy Spirit just wants to pour in you a new, fresh filling. As we go from this place for whatever this, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But man, we can have the Holy Spirit filling us up so we have stuff to pour out. And when we get bumped up against and we get rubbed up against, the fruit of the Spirit comes out. So Lord Jesus, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, you have been here all morning. Lord, and we just lean into you. Lord, we want to be a people that are dependent upon you. Lord, that's what it means, God. We are dependent upon you. We can do nothing on our own. Lord Jesus, And Lord, just as those disciples needed your Holy Spirit to do your will, to follow your commands, Lord, we are no better, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit to do that. So Lord, I just ask for you to fill us anew today as we come after you, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the River City Church podcast. We'd love to hear how God is using River City Church to minister and impact lives. If you have a story to share of how God is moving in your life, send an email to amen at therivercitychurch.org. If you'd like to support our mission financially so we can continue to share messages just like these, you can give online at therivercitychurch.org give.